Lord, we thank you for Sam, one of the pastors here, and we pray that you'll help him to communicate from your words uh, a message that will touch our hearts and uh, know that you are with us this resurrection day. Lord, thank you that you come into our lives, you bring hope and a future, and we want to experience and know you more deeply today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Good morning, all. Um, Yes, what a cool day to get to celebrate together. It's lovely to see so many of you here. Um, I always kind of expect Easter Sunday to be one of those times where kind of everyone's away. But then I always forget that as quite a lot of people are away, there's a lot of people who come and visit. So it's lovely to see so many um, unfamiliar-ish, new-ish faces around. So you're very, very welcome, um, and it's lovely to see you. Uh, Today is one of the, uh, just one of such a beautiful gift um, in the church because we get to celebrate together. We get to celebrate new life um, and new hope. But we do it um, as we've just prayed, as we've just thought about, in a world that seems perpetually nuanced, doesn't it? Um, there's this beauty and there's this hope of new life. And Easter Sunday represents the, the life of Jesus, new life and new hope for us, his people, new life for the whole of creation. There's, there's a hope. God is not dead. Like um, Jesus is alive and he's renewing and rebuilding all things. And so we can genuinely come together and sing the resurrected king is resurrecting us. And there's this beauty and this momentum and this great thing that we can celebrate. But then we also acknowledge that that reality of the resurrection is not the reality that we see all around us all the time, is it? And so we can turn on our BBC News app first thing in the morning, because that's what we always do in the morning. Check check the news. What's happened? And see, oh my gosh, people woke up to worship this morning in one part of the world. They were met with bombs and death and hate and violence. And not, like Lucha said, not, not just in churches, but uh, hotels as well. Um, and there's been these awful attacks. And for those people worshipping the resur- celebrating the resurrection today, they showed up to celebrate the new life that we can have in Jesus um, and found death in that place. And so we come with this kind of nuanced thing. And that's really what I want us to think a little bit about today, is how can we be a people of the resurrection when we don't always see it? We're going to be looking at um, a passage in John, which is just one of my favorite moments in the whole Bible, by, like just so easily. It's just stunning. We're going to be thinking about Mary Magdalene as she comes to the tomb um, and meets with the risen Jesus. But the passage begins like this. Tom, can I have my first, my first actual slide, not just my first slide? The passage begins like this. And notice this phrase. On, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark... Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Now, what, what's going on there is the kind of the two realities that I've just spoken about. It's early on the first day of the week. This is the first day of a new week. It's the first day of a new thing. It's a new morning. It's a new dawn. There's this new momentum. John, John is saying there's a new thing happening on this resurrection day. By the way, I'm really sorry for the distraction that's going to be caused throughout this pr- preach, not just by my general good looks, but in particular by my armpits. And I'm just, I'd just like to acknowledge, <laughs> before you're all thinking it, grey was a bad choice. And <laughs> it's, it's a very warm day. <laughs> so, hallelujah, he is risen indeed. <laughs> so, um, so we're all in this together. I apologize. Um, so, so now... <laughs> 
<laughs> I just want to release you. You're not bad for thinking it. Um, uh, um, but, uh, so early on the first day of the week, this is a new time. It's a new hope. It's a new day. We get to celebrate. Amen. Amen. But at the same time, there's this other reality. While it was yet dark. Huh. It's funny that John felt the need to put that in, isn't it? And on the one hand, he's just saying, Mary got up really, really early in the morning, right? While it was still dark. But darkness in the Bible, as as Nigel talked about um, last week, means so much more than that. Like darkness, particularly in the Gospel of John, is significant of what he's saying about the present reality. How things are now. So early in the morning but it's yet dark. So for example, when Judas goes out to betray Jesus, the phrase John uses is, and it was night, as in that's darkness. There's there's evil. There's evil around. There's pain around. There's hurt around. Um, While Jesus was hanging on the cross, do you remember? The whole land was covered in darkness from 12 till 3 in the afternoon. Darkness is a symbol, and it's a symbol of the reality uh, that Mary is experiencing in this passage, and it's a symbol of our world today, isn't it? That we can celebrate, hey, this is the first day of the week. The resurrected power of Jesus is at work. We have a God who is alive. We can come with hope. Death isn't the end, and yet it's still dark. And so it doesn't surprise us, and it shouldn't surprise us, that there's all this pain, that there's all this darkness, that there's all this sadness, that there's all this hurt um, around. And really, that's what we're going to look at this morning. So in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. So what we've got here is a story of one of Jesus' closest friends and followers. And she was there at the cross when he was being killed. She's one of his most uh, faithful and devoted friends. And she follows him all the way to the cross. And then they have to rest on the Sabbath on Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, right as soon as she can, um, she comes to the tomb uh, to to grieve the body of the Lord, to to grieve with him, um, over him. Um, Interestingly, John doesn't mention anything about the anointing uh, stuff, but we learn from the other Gospels that the women came um, with things to anoint the body with, to mourn the death of their king. This is the darkest moment in Mary Magdalene's life ever. The one that she thought would be the hope of the world. The one that she thought would, would bring the kingdom of God and would usher in a new era of safety and reconciliation. She's seen the transforming work of Jesus in her own life. And she's looking forward to seeing that across the whole world. And yet, two days before this, her hopes were dashed completely, watching him breathe his last on the cross. And for, for her, she doesn't understand yet. She doesn't understand that's not the end of the story And so we need to come to this story today, even on this Resurrection Sunday, and try and enter in a little bit to the depth of pain and grief that she is feeling. Imagine that. Imagine imagine the sense of loss, which you really think the one that you thought would save and redeem the whole world is gone. And so where's hope? And so where's the future? So anyway, so she runs away. She doesn't look anymore at the tomb. She runs away and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, which is John's way of saying John, um, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. And then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. Now, 
um, I'd like to invite you into one of the stranger parts in John's Gospel, um, where there's a little race. I didn't know if you know those kind of like little running races um, in the Bible, but here's one. Um, <laughs> just very weird. Join me in this. The, the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in. By the way, that's the guy who wrote it. So, by the way, I beat Peter to the tomb. Eh? <laughs> Boys, eh? Uh, the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. Okay, so now we're seeing something else about the tomb. Mary just saw that the tomb was open, and she presumed empty, and she ran and went to get the guys. John's coming. He beats Peter to the tomb. He looks in. But then Peter not wanting to be outdone. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. So Peter's like, hey, you might have got there first, but I went in first. And the boys are just having a, a, a nice little fight here. Um, it's always good, isn't it, to, to make really important spiritual things about you um, and about who's better among us. So then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrapping lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, just in case we'd forgotten. (laughs) John's like, still beat him, by the way. (laughs) Also went in, and he saw and believed. There you go. He's one-upping Peter again. Yeah, he's the first to get there and he's the first to believe. Saw and believed, not told what, but I guess believed Jesus isn't here because he's risen or something. Um, For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. Now, what we get here, Mary comes to the tomb in her grief. And she runs and then goes and gets these guys because the body that she loved more than anything seems to have disappeared. So she runs and gets the guys and says, they've taken the body. And then the guys come and they do their thing and they run around and they have a look and they think and they use their mind and they're busy and they're doing stuff. And then it says, and they went home. And then who's left at the tomb? Mary. And we get this beautiful, beautiful phrase. Here, I think, it's, I think it's the next one on my slide. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Do you notice that? All the boys are busy. They're doing their thing. They run along home. And what we're left with is this weeping woman outside a tomb. What a picture on Easter Sunday morning. Just someone in the depth of their grief, refusing to be comforted, just standing there. And on the one hand, we can come to this story and be like, hey, she, you know, it, of all the days to be weeping, why this one? Jesus is risen. There's new hope. There's new life. But on the other hand, isn't it such a beautiful thing that the weeping is what holds her there? The weeping is what doesn't let her go home. Her grief is what keeps her by the tomb. And because she's by the tomb, she gets to see what happens next. Are you ready? Isn't this a good story already? Great. We're basically just going to tell the story and then I'll, I'm finishing. That's, that's all I'm hoping to do this morning. Uh, just because it's so good. Um, I'm also aware that the best way to do justice to a story like this is to go home after I've talked about it. Um, or maybe just ignoring the fact that I've talked about it and just sit in it yourself. Because this story is so well told um, in the scripture. So, as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb. And, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying. 
So notice now she's seeing something that the boys hadn't seen. In her weeping, she sees two angels sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Now, how do you hear that question? Woman, why are you weeping? I was reading some commentaries on this um, this week because I like to make it look to you like I know what I'm talking about. And so um, one of the commentaries <laughs> made me very cross. And the reason it made me very cross is that they read this passage like this. They, that, like, like the angels are saying to her, woman, why are you weeping? I wonder what the tone was in the angel's voice. But my guess is it wasn't accusative. It wasn't confronting her. In other words, the commentator thought of all the days to be weeping, Mary shouldn't have been weeping. It's only in her lack of faith that she was weeping. She should have known Jesus told her he would rise from the dead. She shouldn't have been mourning. She shouldn't have been sad. And really, once she figures it out, everything will be well. And she's just a bit stupid and we should all get over it because Jesus is risen. Amen. Hallelujah. And do you see what damage that can cause? Like it's her, like I just said this, it's her weeping that keeps her there. See, Easter isn't some excuse for like a trite good news thing that we get to stop people being in mourning with, that we get to ignore the pain in our lives by because, hey, you shouldn't be in pain, you shouldn't be mourning because Jesus is risen, because it's all going to be well, or you shouldn't be mourning over that person because, you know, they're in a better place now, they're with the Lord. Have you, have you ever heard anyone say that to someone who's in grief? Um, and it's like, oh my gosh, what a damaging thing to say to someone if the church isn't a place that we can just be in our grief and be in mourning and be broken together. Um, That's so important that we get this right because her mourning keeps her there. I think their tone is like this. Woman, why are you woman? I mean, I don't know if it it doesn't come across well in English, does it? (laughs) Woman! (laughs) Ma'am, I don't know. (laughs) Why are you weeping? I think it's God meeting her in her grief. Does that make sense? I don't think it's God saying you shouldn't be weeping. I think it's him saying, I will go to the depth of your pain and that's where we're going to connect. That's where we're going to meet. That's where I can bring my new life and my new hope. Woman, why are you weeping? And she says to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. But the conversation doesn't go any much further than that. If they, I don't know if one of the angels just opened their mouth to start speaking, but Mary's now been distracted by something else. When she had said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus asked her the same question. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Isn't that beautiful? Do you remember the story of Elijah? When Elijah's had that great time on Mount Moriah and he's seen the victory of God and the fires come down from heaven and it's burnt up the sacrifice and then it's been really great and then he, um, uh, he hears that the queen of the country is out to kill him and he runs away um, into the desert to try and seek the presence of God and to try and run away from the presence of any people, basically. Um, and do you remember he runs away and the angel of the Lord comes to him and speaks to him and says, why are you here, Elijah? And he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord and I've done all the things that you wanted me to do, but no one's with me and everything's rubbish and bloody, bloody, blah. And then he, God 
I can't even remember exactly how it goes. There's, a, there's an order here. The story does go in a certain order, but you won't get it from me quite right. Um, but, but, but then, a little time later, God asks him again, Why are you here, Elijah? And he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord. And that's where God can meet him. Sometimes it takes a little while, doesn't it, to draw us out when we're, in, when we're in our rubbishness, when we're in our pain, when we're in our sorrow, when we're in our grief. And so there's this kindness as the angels ask her once, and Jesus asks her again, woman, why are you weeping? But he says this, for whom are you looking? And he invites her in a little deeper. For whom are you looking? Really interestingly, this question harks back to the first words out of Jesus's mouth in the whole gospel of John. When the two disciples of, of John the Baptist are looking to follow Jesus, they come after Jesus and he turns around and says to them, and it's the first thing that Jesus says in this gospel, he says, what are you looking for? Isn't that cool? Jesus connects with the point of the thing that we're looking for. He connects with our deepest desire. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus says to her, Mary. Oh, I just can't do it. I <laughs> This... That moment, that moment is probably the moment in the Bible that is the most likely to send shivers down my spine every time I read it. Does anyone, do you know what I mean? With this moment, what, what must that have been like for this woman in her agony, in her pain, in her distress? She's convinced that the one she loved is gone. And Jesus just speaks her name. And it's that moment when he speaks her name that she recognizes him. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means my teacher. There's this beautiful moment here where up up till now in the story, John has said Mary's name in Greek, in in its Greek form. Um, uh, But now he chooses to use the Aramaic form of her name when it's Jesus saying it. In other words, he speaks right to her. And she speaks back to him in in Aramaic. It's this beautiful little window into this really intimate moment of connection between the two of them. And she recognizes him as he speaks her name. And so, oh my gosh, I just love this story so much. I was listening to um, uh, some Easter Reflections this week, and I, uh, in it there was a poem that, uh, on this story. And I just thought, wow, this is so good. Um, and it speaks of Mary in her distress, Mary in her grief. And let's not be a church that hurries people through their grief, because the boys hurried through their grief and they went home. And guess who didn't get to see Jesus that day? <laughs> And Mary stays there. She stays in her tears. She stays in her pain. She engages with the pain of life. And then um, and she gets to meet the gardener, as it were. Malcolm Geet wrote this poem. It, sound, it goes like this. He blesses every love that weeps and grieves. And now he blesses hers, who stood and wept and would not be consoled or leave her love's last touching place. But... Um, but watched as low light crept up from the east. A sound behind her stirs a scatter of bright bird song through the air. She turns but cannot focus through her tears or recognize the gardener standing there. She hardly hears his gentle question, why, why are you weeping? Or sees the play of light that brightens as she chokes out her reply, they took my love away, my day is night. And then... 
she hears her name. She hears love say the word that turns her night and ours to day. Isn't that a good effort? Is that a really good effort at kind of drawing this moment into our reality? She hears her name. She hears love say the word that turns her night and ours and ours today. Because this is how Jesus meets us too. He doesn't just meet us when we're all okay, when we know what to think, when we believe the right things, when we know the facts, when we are convinced of the resurrection. Though I think it's great to be convinced of the resurrection. But it's not, it's not the important first step. Jesus meets her when she's got none of those things, just in the place of her brokenness. I, I guess we all come here today uh, from different backgrounds. Some of you come here and you're really familiar with church. You're really okay with thinking about the resurrection. You're really okay with faith. You're really okay with God. I don't really know what that's like. <laughs> but um, No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, I'm half kidding. <laughs> But, um, but my guess is that all of us come from slightly different perspectives. A lot of you will come today and you're here with family and that's great. But, you know, for you, this is someone else's story um, or a story that you once believed and now struggle to. Or for some of you, this might be completely new. For some of you, you might be in a really good place in your life. For others of you, I'm guessing there's real pain that you're processing, real trauma, real uh, anguish, maybe ongoing family situations or, uh, or a loss of a loved one or something like that. We all come in different situations. But the beautiful thing about this story is we worship a Jesus who is able to speak our name just to us, exactly to us. And I believe that's what he wants to do right now. That's what he wants to do this morning. That's what he wants to do. This story isn't just here so that you will know something in your head. It's so that you will know a God who wants to meet with you at the core of your being, at the depth of who you are, in the depth of what you're going through um, right now. There's this beautiful moment that sounds really harsh that comes up in the story after this. Um, Because after Jesus says to Mary, Mary, and she turns and says, Rabbani, Jesus says to her, do not hold on to me. Now, that seems unnecessarily harsh, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like, get off, woman. (laughs) It's like, I kind of imagine her like, like just being so desperate to hold his feet in her hands and, and him just being like, oi shoo off um and that kind of how it kind of comes across a little bit but um obviously i don't think that's what jesus was (laughs) thinking um i think it's like this throughout the whole story mary has been desperate to grasp the physical body of her deceased lord right she's been desperate to come to the tomb and to touch his feet and to experience his form yes but lifeless form. And Jesus inviting her into a deeper way of knowing. You don't get to hold on to the body of Jesus. We don't have a, obviously we don't have a body of Jesus. Jesus isn't physically right here as a person today, contrary to what uh, people might lead you to believe. Um, Oh, that was it. Sorry, too much of a step too far. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Um, uh, But instead we are invited into a much more beautiful way of knowing where he is with us by his spirit. Jesus even has the audacity to speak to his disciples and say, it's better for you if I go. Sorry, I just gave you a full pit, didn't I? Uh, It's better for you if I ascend to the Father, because then I will send the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you in all truth, and he'll he'll make me known to you. And so it's the Holy Spirit here today, who is the presence of Christ, risen with 
every one of us. Do not re- he says, do not cling to me. Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Again, just a beautiful thing that he didn't need to say twice, but he does. Because my God, his God is now our God. His Father is now our Father. We're invited into that depth of relationship with the Father. So Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, two of them are going to kick themselves because they have just there and they missed it. <laughs> if only they'd hung on in their grief. <laughs> went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that, the, that he had said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? The word she uses there for seen, there's actually, John uses an unnecessary number of words for the verb that we then translate to see in this passage, um, which I'm not going to attempt to describe in detail, but basically they go from levels to levels of seeing. So when she first comes and sees the empty tomb, that's one word, um, but it's a different word when they come and see the grave clothes because now they're being a bit more involved in the scene. Like I can see Scott over there, but I haven't necessarily really seen him. Do you know what I mean? But then when I see him, not just, oh, there's Scott, but I begin to like gaze at him I don't know. <laughs> but I really notice him I really notice the look on his face now I'm going a little bit deeper but now when she goes back to the followers of Jesus I have seen the Lord she uses quite a different word again and it's such an intimate way of knowing it's a really deep word I've, I, I actually met him like not just I saw him over there but we met we conversed I wonder, I wonder if like, your relationship with Jesus is anything like that. Like, do we have that relationship with God where we can feel like, oh my gosh, I know what it is in some way, in some weird way, to meet with the Lord. And I genuinely believe that that's what this passage invites us into. I don't think he just met Mary like this because he never wants to do that with any of the rest of us. Now, I'm not saying you can walk in a garden and you'll meet Jesus walking around. But what I am saying is this. The Holy Spirit is with us because Jesus wants to be with all of us, individually, whatever's going on. And I think really that's the crux of it. I think really that's the crux of this passage. And Jesus says to her, Mary, so, so stunning. So, um, yeah, how do I land that? Oh, you just did. (laughs) You just did. When it, should we pray? Shall I lead prayer? Yeah, let's pray. And then we'll get, there's hot cross buns waiting, so this is good. And just as a way of praying, let's reflect on this, on this passage in a little bit. And I want you to imagine yourself um, in the garden by the tomb. And just allow yourself to feel something of the hurt and disappointment that a follower of Jesus would have had two days after his death. After you've seen the hope that you had in the world, executed and mocked, breathe his last. And 
and feel all the hope that's just gone and the rawness of grief. You know how in the early stages of grief, how you'll feel fine one minute and then the next minute it all just comes flooding back, the reality and the horror. Just imagine in that moment, as you turn, there's someone standing there. And he, you hear his voice, why are you weeping? In fact, maybe there's an invitation there right now to tell him, just in your mind, why are you weeping? Tell him what's really going on. And he's not in a hurry. He's not trying to move you on. He's not trying to get you to the right answer. Instead, you just hear him speak one word. Your name. Just hear him speak your name. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you want to meet with us. Thank you so much that you want to make our night day again. Thank you so much that there's victory in you, that you beat death, that you beat the grave. Thank you so much that you meet us in our pain, in our brokenness, in our grieving, in our tears, in our lostness. You meet us in the problems that we face week on week. You meet us in our doubt, in our questions. And so, Lord, I pray that as you do that this morning, as by your Holy Spirit, as you're among us here and as you meet with us, that you would lead us on in some way. That for every one of us this morning, there'd be just a glimpse of something that we need to see about you. Lord, we look forward to the day where you wipe every tear from our eye. And when death is being defeated, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.